Lord, hallelujah, y'all beat me today. Give it up for Ed, everybody, making sure everything's lined up, hallelujah. I do need that board, too, if you want to grab that for me. I don't know who, uh, who I have to dock their pay today. Oh, they're all volunteers, so I guess I don't get to dock any pay. I just say thank you for blessing the church with what you're giving, amen. I'm so thankful. You can put it kind of in the middle behind me. There we go. Y'all doing good? I'm excited. I have like a expectation. Do you guys feel that today? I just feel something very special happening for you in this church and over my life too. I'll receive it. Amen. But I'm so glad you're here, and I'm just going to open up with prayer, and we're going to get into the Word of God. Amen. Father, I thank you today for this amazing time that we have as your church to come together and worship you, God. Lord, we never take for granted the freedom that we have, that we can worship you in public, we can worship you and praise you, and we have the ability, God, to not have to hide underground, but we have a free America, God, that we can shout your name and lift up your name, God. And Lord, I just stand today that every one of their desires and their dreams and Father, whatever they came with today in the, in the back of their heart, Lord, you know what they have need of. And I ask God that as they're sitting there tonight, to today, the remainder of this service, Lord, that they would just feel your love surrounding them, your anointing touching them, Father God. And you surround them even as they're sitting there today, just with so much hope and peace and joy and comfort. I ask, Lord, that the word I share today would go into good soil of our heart. Let it give seeds of life, revelation, and truth. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Well, I am. Thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate you. Beautiful piano playing back there. Some of you know this, but I can play the drums. Do you all know that? I can play the drums. Don't be shocked. Like, oh. I can also play the piano, just so you know. But I'm not really great at either, so, you know, I am a worship leader's worst nightmare if I'm the drummer because I will speed up every song. I just get excited, and we're just going to double that tempo. And one of my friends was our worship, uh, remember Tom Ewinger in Beloit? He was, uh, I would do just the women's Bible study. I wasn't good enough to do the whole church, obviously, but I got qualified for the women's ministry, and I tell you, that guy gave me dirty looks the whole time during praise. He'd be playing that piano like, would you knock it off? <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm just having fun in here, you know? Don't mess with me. But anyway, so I have a message for you today, and it's called A Light in a Dark World. A Light in a Dark World. And I really want to challenge our church over the next few weeks and months of really learning how to be a light in a dark world. How many know this world needs the light of Jesus? This world needs hope and it needs healing. And I really want to take you through scriptures about the light that we carry and where does that light come from and what does the Bible say about the light, amen? So, of course, the first place we're going to look at is we're going to look at Jesus, aren't we? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. I love that so much. Jesus was sent into the world for many reasons. One, to cast out the darkness. His light came into the world to cast out the darkness. His light came to point people back to God. His light came to call people to repentance for their sins. His light came to empower the followers of Christ to do the wonders of the kingdom. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is coming into a season where we are going to see the greatest awakening we've ever seen. I've been saying this for many months, but we are getting closer 
actually a couple years I've been saying this, closer and closer to this special move of God. And when God begins to visit his church in a supernatural way, there's nothing you can do to stop it. You just step into this realm and this momentum that just takes off by the presence of God. And it's almost like my dad calls it organized chaos. It's just when the spirit takes over and we are going to enter a season where I want you to be equipped how to share the light of Jesus into the dark world. Because the world is looking for that. They're longing for that truth. And I want to empower you because once we start doing that as the church, we'll start seeing this awakening and this revival and the spirit of God. God will begin to move in this house in a very significant way, amen? And he already is, but even as another level when we begin to understand the power of the light of God on the inside of us. So let's look at John 8, 12, and I'm going to take you through some scriptures today. John 8, 12 says this, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am, everybody say I am. He said, I am the light of the world, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. Jesus is the light of the world. And he says when we walk in him, we walk in that same light that he is. That means you sitting here this morning, you are light bearers of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what I want to do, that's in John chapter 8. I want to go back to John chapter 7 a little bit, and I want to set up the story. Because how many know you have to understand what's happening prior so you can understand what Jesus was saying when he said, I am the light of the world. So prior in chapter 7, there was a Jewish celebration of a week-long festival. There's many in the Old Testament. This particular one was the Feast of Tabernacles. How many is familiar with the, week, the Feast of Tabernacles? Okay. This was the Feast of Tabernacles, and it was a jubilant feast. It was a celebration and a remembrance honoring God's provision and protection of the children of Israelites when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. God took care of them. God sustained them. He had a fire by night and a cloud by day. That's pretty cool. I can't imagine just following my special little cloud, following the will of God. I wish it was that easy sometimes, right? So they would honor what God did, and they would honor God's provision and taking care of them, and they would celebrate this feast once a year, and it was a seven-day festival. And they would actually set up structures, tent structures in the wilderness, and live like the children of Israel lived, honoring God, and God's presence would come and visit them, right? Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Somebody say amen. <laughs> so it was during this Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus' ministry began to have great opposition in, in John 7. He began to have opposition, and there was an intense intensity towards him and his ministry, right? So, but when this opposition came, how many know Jesus is never distracted by opposition? He's never worried about resistance. That's why we shouldn't be worried about resistance and opposition. We should know that there's an, a learning or a teaching opportunity to people in opposition. At the Church of Jesus Christ, we have wisdom and we have opportunity to tell the world about Jesus and the word by what we're going through today, right? I, we can tell the world what God is doing according to the word because we know what the word says. So it's a teaching moment. So Jesus used that moment to teach an example. So one of the major feast features of the Feast of Tabernacle was this. There was a lighting of the giant lampstand. 
right? There was candelabras, and there was outdoor the women's court in the court of temple. Now, I'm going to have them put up just one picture right now so you can take a look at it, kind of like an example. So what they would do, this would happen seven days, one time a year, the Feast of Tabernacles. They would light up these candelabras. Can you see how bright the light would shine when they would light up the tabernacle? And it would be far as the eye could see. And everyone know this was a celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. Can you show the other picture? There was another little side view. See how bright that light is? So this was such an exciting time to them because they would know that this was something special that God was with them when they would see the illuminating lights. And one thing I studied about the wicks that were in the, um, the candelabras, I love this. It was the, the wicks were made from the priest's robe. And the robes that were soiled and ruined, they would take the, the ruined or soiled robes and they would make wicks out of them to illuminate. And that just spoke to my heart so amazing because God can take the things in your life that seem soiled and ruined and he will use them for his glory. There is nothing wasted with God. Isn't that an exciting thing? That no matter what you've been through, no matter what's ugly or you're ashamed of or the trials of life, God will turn that around for his glory. And what they would do is when these lights would shine, they would sing and they would celebrate. And it would symbolize how that fire by night was with God and he would lead them and guide them in that that midnight hour. And it kind of made me think as, as they were sitting there, they knew scriptures and this light was illuminating and they were celebrating God for all of his goodness. Maybe Psalms 27, 1 was in their heart. The Lord is my light and my salvation. That no matter what I'm going through, the Lord is my light. He is my, my, the one that leads the way. He's the one that gives me hope. He's the one that fulfills my desires. Amen. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. What were they seeing? Us as believers, when we are going through trials, what do we do? We illuminate. Can you see that? There's a lot of light on this platform. But when you're calling on Jesus, you're illuminating. You're lighting up a place that is dark in your life, a dark place in someone else's life. The world is dark. They don't have the light of God. They don't have the hope. They only have hidden secret places of shame. But they were celebrating that God was a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. Isaiah 60 verse 1 said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In that moment as they were having this time, they were celebrating the light of God in the tabernacle. And each evening of the seven nights, the Feast of Tabernacles, they would light these candelabras and those light would penetrate the darkness. But what happened on the last day of the festivals, on the last evening, they would blow out the candles, and the light would be extinguished, and the darkness would return. And I feel like sometimes as the church, we're kind of living in this pattern of what the religious law was fulfilling, that we can't, we live maybe by the do's and the don'ts and the works And when that light would go out in the tabernacle, they had to wait another whole year to find that light again, to remember that light of God. But we have Jesus who died on the cross and resurrected again, that we have an eternal light living in our life, that we don't have to grow weary in our relationship with Jesus. We don't have to let our light burn out, amen? If our light is burning out and and we're growing weary, somewhere we're living to the law, we're living to the do's and the don'ts and the ritualistic 
thick of things and set up that relationship of knowing the light of Jesus that's on the inside of you. Because you cannot fulfill the law. That's why you see some people, they're all about God, and then where are they? And then they get all about God, and then where are they? Because they're waiting for the next ritual experience. They're waiting for the next moment that we're going to light up, and I'm going to feel some kind of emotion and excitement. And that's wonderful, but the feasts only happen once a year. But you have Jesus living in you every single day. Amen? So in this part where Jesus was noted, they were symbolizing that the lights were now being extinguished, John 8, 12 means a different meaning. He's saying to them, it's not the candelabras that bring light into the world anymore. You don't have to wait for the Feast of Tabernacles to have the light of Jesus in your life. That's why I love that people celebrate the Jewish traditions. I think there's something wonderful about it. But it's also not who we are or where we are. Like, I don't have to go out in the wilderness and burn some candle to find some engagement with God, amen? I can be driving in my car, angry at my job, whatever it is, and I still have the light of Jesus living on the inside of me. I don't want to go back and fulfill the law. Thank you, Jesus said in Matthew 5 that he didn't abolish it, but he fulfilled it. There was something beautiful about that external, um, you know, behavior ritual of acknowledging the light. But now he says, I sent my son, and there's an eternal light that's on the inside of you. So now when Jesus comes in John 8, 12, we can put that back up there again. In John chapter 8, he, he gave five, eight I am's. This was one of the second I am's in this chapter. And he said this, again, I am the light of the world. See, he's trying to teach them no longer is it of the past. It's not a ritual. It's not religion. But I am that light of the world. And you need to follow me and don't walk in that darkness. I've not called you into confusion. I've not called you into worry and fear. I'm calling to illuminate my light into your life. And when you need me, I will be there. When you need an answer, I will light it up. When you need direction, I will light it up. Why? Because he is the light of the world. He will light up every situation. You don't know what to do. God knows what to do. I'm going to open up the light of God in my life, and I'm going to illuminate. Well, I may only have one or two steps. I'd be like, Jesus, this cliff is close. I hiked the Grand Canyon, and we ended up hiking it at night, and I had like a little headgear on. And you got the whole dark abyss over there. You don't even know. And you're just walking really, and it was icy. And you're walking real sure-footed to make sure you don't slip and slide. Sometimes... That's what God illuminates. But we have God in our life, amen, illuminating his life. And he said, when you follow me, now you become, you have the light of life. What does that mean? Let's go back and look. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Follow me, you become the light of life. Those words light is the same exact translation. Translation. So the light of Jesus that he came into the world is the same light that lives in you when you have Jesus inside of your life. So you have all power, you have all authority, you have all truth of the light of God living on the inside of you, ready to illuminate to a dark and dying world. And the world is looking, but they don't even know what they're looking for until you put the light in their dark places. Because the only thing that can push dark away is what? Light. The only way the, your friends and your coworkers and your family members are going to know that they need what they need is when you shine light into their life and push back the darkness. Push back their anger. Push back their, their questions and their confusions. Don't be afraid to have conversations because they want the light. They just don't know what they need. 
But we've got to be willing to step out by faith and say, I need to share my story of Jesus Christ. I need to be the light of Jesus in my world, in my workplace, and before my family. Amen? Jesus said, I am the light. I was thinking of of Moses, and God called Moses to such a huge challenge. And he visited Moses, and he said, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to take my people out of Egypt. That's a pretty big task for an insecure man. Moses was very insecure. Didn't think he had words to say. He had a stuttering problem. Why would God call Moses? And if you look at scripture, when God called Moses, he said, to God, he said back to God, he said, who am, who am I? Who am I, God, that you would call me to a task that is so much bigger than I think I can do. I think many times we're concerned about sharing our faith, concerned about praying for people in public, concerned about stepping out in places that make us uncomfortable because we're like, who am I, God? Who am I to share my faith? I am not perfect. How many is perfect in here? Raise your hand. If you raised your hand, we're going to stop and pray for you. We're going to have a healing service right here. Nobody's perfect. Nobody walks feeling Jesus superfied all the time. I go into a grocery store, I'm just carnal flesh, amen. I don't always feel like stopping and praying for someone, let alone in public. But who am I, God? Who am I to stop and do those things? And he was concerned, who am I? God said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. See, God is with you. But Moses took it a little further and he said, well, what should I tell the children of Israel? that the, um, the God of your fathers has sent me, but who do I say sent me? Basically, what is your name? And what did God say? He said, I am that I am. He said, I am. I'll take your who am I, and I'm going to flip the script, and you're not going to do it by who you are. You're going to do it by who he is. He is the great I am. He is with you in your mouth. You may suffer rejection when you share your faith. Jesus says when you do, it's done for my glory and for me. They don't do it unto unto you. They're doing it unto me. We've got to be courageous in this hour to say, I'm not going to be afraid to tell the truth. I'm not going to be afraid to have hard conversations. I'm going to prepare myself for what God has in this season. The church has to shine the light. While the devil is is, um, illuminating a false light, which we learned a few weeks ago, he thinks he's the light of the world. We, the church is getting darker and darker and quieter. And we're wondering, where is the church? Where is the light of Jesus? Where's the passionate for the lost and the broken and the confused and the children that are being sucked up by the devil and his agenda? The church needs to have a righteous anger in this hour and say, I may not be comfortable with doing this, but I have the great I am that says, I will be with you. The greatest joy you will ever do in your life is when you lead somebody to Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater. And what's next to that is when you pray for someone. And you may not have the fruit of it. You may be the waterer. You may be the seed planter. Some of you may get the harvest. And that is the greatest joy. I remember I got trained in evangelism explosion. Remember that back in the day, like Assemblies of God? Yeah, you remember. E.E. I was like, I don't know, I was 16. I'm like, I want to go to that class. So I went and got trained how to share the gospel of Jesus. And it was kind of fear-based, but, you know, it made us bold and courageous. If you were to die today, where would you go, heaven or hell? I mean, that ain't a bad question, but that was kind of like the opener. But I remember we were all prayed up. We're ready to hit the streets. I'm so excited. And I swear to you, everywhere my car went, there was no people. 
It was so frustrating. Like, I am so ready to be. We're prayed up. I'm on fire. Let's share Jesus. And nobody. We couldn't find nobody. So finally, we're like, you know what? Let's just uh, go to this corner grocery store. It's in downtown Rockford. Like, let's go to this corner grocery store, and, and um, let's just get some drinks and chips, and we'll head back to the church. And it's unfortunate we have no victory story. I'm not kidding you. The moment that we got out of that car and walked on that property, people started coming out of the woodwork. I mean, left and right, we were praying for the homeless. We were praying for people, leading people to Jesus, getting them filled with the Holy Spirit. It was one moment saying, who am I to here we are with God. When you make yourself available, God will make people to you, and you'll be willing to share your faith. You'll be willing to be saying, can I pray for you? And God will open up your mouth, and the Bible says he will fill it with all good things. But we have to be willing to know the light of God is in me, and I need to give that light away. Amen? So the, the um, Feast of Tabernacles was temporal. It was the law. But today we're living in the eternal flaming light of God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Let's look at some scripture verses and go back to the very beginning. And we're going to trace this through the word. Genesis 1 says this. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now this is natural light. It's the illuminaries, the light of day, moon, suns, stars. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Right? The Bible says right before this, and I thought I had it in my notes, but I don't. The spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. The spirit wasn't sedentary. The spirit was moving. So we see God in the beginning, amen, and we see the Holy Spirit present. And he says, I need to bring light. And God saw that the light and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. What does God want to do today? He wants to divide the light from the darkness in this world. The only ones who can shine the light is Christ's followers. We are the only one that carry the light of Jesus Christ. And if we are hiding under a bushel, and if we don't know the answers, and we're not willing to take the time to find out the truth of the word of God, the church of Jesus Christ will wane away. It never will. But I'm just saying God will always raise up a church. But I want this church to be a part of this end time awakening that God has. Amen. We've got to realize that. And so he said, I have to separate the light and the darkness from each other. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. So at the very beginning, we see the importance of light and dark separation. Now, let's look at John 1. We're going to go to the middle of the Bible. John 1. I wasn't going to take it book by book. We'd be here forever, amen? But John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning. Where was light? In the beginning. We just read that in Genesis. Now in John, he's referring, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is the word in scripture? Jesus is the word of God. So what do we see? In the beginning, we had the hovering of the Holy Spirit. We had God the Father speaking light, and we had the word of God, Jesus. And that's where he said, let us make man in our image. There's the three in one that God made in the very beginning. So in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was nothing was not anything made that was made. So what is Jesus? He's the light. So we see the light in the beginning separates darkness. We see Jesus in, in the middle separating the darkness. God knew that light was necessary to overcome darkness. God knew that. The only way this world is going to be one to Jesus is for the light to separate the darkness. We can fast and pray till Jesus comes back. But if we aren't being the light to the world, they'll never know the darkness that they're walking in. 
Darkness can only exist with the absence of light. Imagine the freedom that we came into Christ, you know, finding that joy and that glory and that forgiveness. And yes, we have things we're working out, but the world doesn't have that enlightenment. All they see is the news, the doom, the despair, the the lostness. The world is getting darker and darker. Amen. And we need to be that light. So only, the only way someone can make a room dark is by doing three things. One is to turn off the light. We don't want to be a church or the church that turns off the light. Just not going to do it. I'm just not going to share my faith. I'm going to do my Jesus on my own, right? I'm going to have my church time. I'm just going to turn the light off to everybody else. Number two, you can block out the light. What does that mean? If someone hears the truth or the truth is spoken, the raw word of God, which is challenging to tickling ears in this season, you know, oh, no, no, that's not really what the Bible says. You're blocking the truth. Oh, no, no, the word has changed. It has, it has changed to the culture, really. 2,000 years, the word has remained the same. The word doesn't change to culture. The culture changes to the word. That's the deception of the world we're living in today. Amen. So we block that truth. Oh, well, Jesus loves you. Love, love, love. He loved you enough to die on a cross for that sin, for that addiction, for that confusion in your life, right? Don't block the light. The light will penetrate darkness, and we'll see in Scripture, yeah, people get offended. Who wants the bright light shine on you? Nobody does. But it's our job in love, not in, like, you know, condemnation, but I'm also not going to block the light because I'm responsible for that truth not getting in their heart. I don't want to face God knowing that I have the opportunity to tell the truth to someone I love, but I was afraid of what they might think about me, or I might be afraid to hurt them. Let the word cut. It's a knife. You want it to penetrate. Cut out that unbelief so the truth of God's word can illuminate inside of their heart. Amen? So choose, Or number three, choose to not turn a light on when it's already dark. That means I'm just, I'm just not going to turn on the light. Listen to this. Even darkness is at mercy to the light. It's at mercy. The darkness has to flee as soon as the light comes. Darkness itself has no power and authority. We're afraid of the darkness. We're afraid to speak truth. But the moment I come with the light of Jesus, darkness has to flee. I have full power and authority over all the powers of the enemy. So when you go into the world and you're sharing your faith or you walk into your job, you walk in with the power of the Holy Spirit. When you show up, the Spirit of God shows up with you. If you could open up the spiritual realm, demons would flee left and right in fear and terror of the power of God that just walked into that room. You've got to know who you are, believer. That you don't have to be afraid of the dark. Don't be afraid of the hard questions. Give that light and that darkness has no choice but to flee. Listen, you can't make a room darker than it is already dark. Try it. Go into a dark room. I'm going to add some more dark to this. Nope. Can't do it. Well, the world's so evil. Nope, can't get any worse. Yeah, it can in the natural. But the evil power is there. But when you come in with that light, the second you show up at your job, woo, light of Jesus is here. Favor comes with me. Joy comes with me. The wisdom of God walks in with me. I have everything I need to light up the world around me, amen, because Jesus is on your side. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to consider this uh, description of New Jerusalem in found in Revelations 21. So now we're going to the end of the Bible. It says this. This is John's vision. I saw no temple in heaven, or New Jerusalem, for the Lord God... The Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. 
The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the lamb. The lamb is its light. Different translation, sorry. You guys want me to read it from this one? But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. The city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light. That's the God that we serve. The God that's on the inside of you to this world, that light lives on the inside of you that will forever light up eternity is the light that you have in your life. You are not missing anything but courage and obedience. Because it's uncomfortable to obey God when he's asking you to share your faith. That is not comfortable. We just went out for pizza last night and we you know, had a, a, a sweet young man that was... was um, serving our food, and Quinn just had this unction, we've got we to talk to him about Jesus. We've got to tell him about our church. And, you know, as soon as he heard that we were Christians, you know, God's name in vain, you know, started all the cussing, and we're like, ah, don't let it move us, that's okay. Just prove me how much more you need Jesus. I'd be like, dude, look at me. Jesus loves you. <laughs> and, you know, it's not easy, but, you know, we're going to give him the information anyway. We're going to tell him about Jesus. We're going to give him the church. We're going to tell him how awesome he can make friends here. He probably didn't want it. It's okay. It's not my job. My job is to illuminate the light. Fear of rejection. We already had our food, so we couldn't spin it in or anything. <laughs> it takes such little things to share our faith. It's not about going like bulldog, crazy, fanatic, you know. That just pushes people away. But who God surrounds you with, your sphere of influence, the moment God calls on you, you need to be ready. Are you fearful? Yes, but I am is with me. Jesus is the light. He said, I am the light. Amen. That never burns out. Thank you, Jesus. So it went from the let there be light in the beginning to Jesus said, I am the light to the eternal flame that will light up heaven forever. New Jerusalem. What a great God we serve, amen. So let's look at 1 John 1, 5. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. It's the same translation. And in him is no darkness at all. There is the light of God. It's a supernatural light that compels us to goodness, that compels us to the supernatural. It's the power of God that says, I'm going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen. When you walk in that light, you're submitting to the will of the Father, and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through you. So let's look at a story quickly about Nicodemus. We all know, I think mostly know about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a wee little man, was he? You guys remember that song? You remember that? <laughs> Nicodemus was influential. He was respected member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee, and he was trained in the Jewish law and theology. So he held a seat of position that did not welcome the news of Jesus. There may be people that you look at, how could they ever receive the news of Jesus? How could they ever get saved? How could that truth ever penetrate them? But you don't know what God is doing in their hearts. Nicodemus was someone that never seemed like a man that was wanting to know more about Jesus. He was being drawn to Jesus and nobody knew about it. 
See, there are people in your world who are wanting to know about this salvation experience, but they don't understand it. They just know there's something that's drawing them. So let's look at Nicodemus. It says in John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Look at this. This man came to Jesus at night. This man came to Jesus by night. See, the world is hiding in dark places. They're hiding. They're ashamed. They don't understand. They're not sure they want to proclaim Jesus. They're not sure they want to be related to Christianity because of a lot of the garbage that is out there. So they want to sneak at night. But even in the night, they're searching for truth. So he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. See, there's no denying that God is real. I mean, some people will say that, but God's, and that's where I believe the church is going to get glorified so the world can see the glory of God. But people are going to see there's something about this God, and there's some truth, but I don't fully understand what it is. I've heard about these things, but what is it? Jesus said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, when Nicodemus came at night, Jesus shined the light on him. We're not going to talk about all the religion and, and what you believe. You must be born again, simple and true. But what's so beautiful about Nicodemus is he said to him in verse 4, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Do you see that his drawing out of the darkness, he didn't understand what salvation was. I'm telling you, the world doesn't understand salvation. They don't understand that born-again experience until they see the light illuminated in us. You're a living example of what God has done in your life, amen? And you have to share with them. You have to share the truth of what God says in the word. um, The next verse says this. Excuse me, in John 3.16 comes this scripture that we all know and is all over football screens. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I actually transpose that in my notes and I put light, but I don't think it was far from the truth. Everlasting life. See, it's the message of the gospel It's not whittled with all the confusion that the world and media and all the garbage wants to whittle into the word. The truth is you must be born again. And the only way to get there is through Jesus Christ, the son. And let me tell you what he did for you. Let me tell you what he did for me. You have to dispel all the other garbage. Say none of that matters. What matters is that you're making Jesus the Lord of your life, that you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You've got to get them to that born-again experience. Everything else God can work out. All that other garbage God can work out, amen. The Bible says unless you're born of the Spirit, you can't understand the things of the Spirit anyway. So just lead them to the cross of Jesus Christ. Keep showing that light of hope into their life. And I'm telling you, you're going to lead people to Jesus in this next year. No doubt in my heart you will. Let's go on. It says, and this is the judge, excuse me, yeah, and this is the judgment. This is verse 19. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. That scripture is clearly saying they love their evil, right? 
He said, and how can they come to the light? By their works being exposed. This is the only way they can come to Jesus. The only way they come to Jesus is you putting a light in the darkness of their hearts. Jesus loves you. He's forgiven you. He's taken away your shame. He wants to restore your marriage. Your children will serve God. That's putting the light of God into their hearts. The only way they can come to Jesus is by exposing the darkness. But you can't be afraid to expose the darkness. Amen? Which is why I'm desperate as your pastor to make sure you are mature in Christ to know the word of God which is why two weeks ago or whatever it was, I talked on the biblical viewpoint of abortion and what the Bible has to say. You have to know what Bible has to say, not what culture has to say, not what media or politics have to say. Politics go bye-bye when it comes to the Bible. The Bible is the final authority. And that's what the church has to walk in, not in perverted compassion, but in the power of God's word. Let's look at John 1 John 1, 5 through 10, it says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Do you see how dangerous that is in culture? Oh, you're okay. God loves you. No, they're in darkness. And they're deceived. And we are doing wrong by loving people so much that we're afraid to tell them the truth. And even in our own life, allowing the light to examine our life and the things that God wants to get out of our personal life, amen. I've never once had a preacher had to tell me how to live my life. Never. They do. They can share the word. But I've already had that alignment with God in my personal relationship. I've let the word illuminate my relationship with God. I've never had to have a person tell me how to align my relationship with God. Not that I'm perfect, I've had instruction, but do you hear what I'm saying? You allow the Holy Spirit to be the light in your life. He's the one that will gently nudge the things that you need to get right in your life and remove and put in, amen? Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Amen? This is what the church will and does look like and will continue to. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves when the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, there's where our confession comes in. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ooh, how many are thankful for the forgiveness of God? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word of God is not in us. The Bible says all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want to wrap it up by saying this. Jesus was the light of the world. I showed you that. Second point is you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world now. Jesus did his job. He hung on the cross. He died. He gave you that light. It says in Matthew 5, let's look at this, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. Same translation that we've been looking at. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. God has prophesied over this house multiple times that we will be a lighthouse in North Phoenix, Arizona. A lighthouse that will be seen for the city to see the glory of God. A place for people to come to hear the word of God, experience the power of the Holy Spirit, amen, with the manifestations of God's word. Verse 15 says, nor... 
Do they light a lamp and put it under a basket? But what do they do? I want to put it on the lampstand. We teach our children this in class. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. How many remember that? This little light of mine, hide it under a bush out. No. It's like my favorite. Won't let Satan blow it out. <laughs> right? We're going to put it on a lamp. We're not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they want to come against me, come against me. I'll do it for the glory of God. Why? Because I care more about their soul and where they're going for eternity than what they think about me. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Remember I told you, you walk into the room. Let your light, same word, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The anointing and the light is the same that's in me is in you. There's no specialized, special light and anointing. We came into Jesus. We all have, are the same light bearers. And I can prove that because in Revelations 1.6, it says this, and he hath made us kings and priests unto our God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I am a priest. You are kings in the marketplace. God has anointed you to be where you're called to be. You don't have to have a pulpit ministry to walk in the anointing and the light of God. And I want to share this with you. It says, priests and kings, as a priest, I have a high responsibility, and I do, before I hit this pulpit, and my influence, which is from the pulpit, I come prepared, I study the word of God, I'm in prayer more than y'all know. You guys got like, my knees are growing tired here. <laughs> Never. I, I'm, I'm praying for you. I come here ready to do my assignment of influence. What is the difference from what I do to the position you're called to in the marketplace? You're kings in the marketplace, where you work. If you're a mother on the construction field, you are a king in that position. And that anointing and that light, God has rested upon your life. And just as I come, I believe if I took this lightly and I came half-hearted, hazardly or whatever and I didn't put all that I knew I needed to do God might say I think when they put somebody there I don't think you would appreciate that would you no you come here knowing that I've been praying and prepared and I'm studying God's word and and, I, and I'm getting the vision that God has for this house and and God is asking the same for you you are called for such a time as this in your workplace in your sphere of influence, whether it's a mom's group, whatever it is, a housewife, whatever, God wants you to approach your job and your life as your calling and your anointing and prepare yourself. I believe we're living in such a time as this moment in the kingdom of God and in this church. Amen. Don't look at your place of influence as casual anymore. It can't happen in the four walls, just in the four walls. It has to go out to the world. When you look at the cross and where Jesus carried the cross, he carried it down a place called Via Della Rosa. And that was right down the city square. He didn't hide off a side street somewhere. He went right through the marketplace. And he made it known that he was taking that cross to the hill of Golgotha to lay his life down unashamedly. That's where the cross should be. We have enough crosses in the church. We need some crosses in the marketplace. We need some crosses in the business arena where we can let our light shine in this world. Amen. 
Jesus gave us a great commission. He said, go into all the world and spread the good news. Preach to everyone the good news of Jesus Christ. As we're coming to the close of this year, God has given me a direct word for this house. And we're going to be sharing more as the weeks go on. But I have a clear assignment that this church is called in 2023 to love a thousand people back to life. That's the mission of God. We're going to love a thousand people back to life. That is not impossible for this body to do. Pre-COVID, we were running over 700. That is not impossible for God. But God wants you to get excited for what he's about to do. In the next few weeks, we're going to be casting vision toward this a thousand to life. And, and we're going to give you ways that you can partner with and, and get involved with the things that God is doing right now in the kingdom. And on, I want you to mark your calendars because on Sunday, December 4th, I'm sharing the vision of 2023 with this house. And I want you to know where we're going and, and what we're doing and what God has spoken to me, amen. There's a great vision on the inside of my heart. God has called this church to something so significant and so special. And as I've been praying this week, the Lord showed me that this is a special moment in this church. And as I was praying, I just saw heaven's doors open up. And we're stepping into an arena that this church has never experienced before in North Phoenix, Arizona. There is a special thing coming, and I want you to prepare your hearts and, and take this word and, and listen to it again. Because I want you to be prepared for what God has. Amen. This church is not called to small things. We're not called to just be big for numbers. It's not my heart. Our mission statement is to love people back to life. That's what we're called to do. And I told the Lord, I will use every means possible for that mission statement. That's what we will do this next year, love people back to life. How can we do that? How can we do that? I'm going to share those with you over the next few weeks. How many is ready for that? We're ready. This church should be two, two services, three services. Once we're at three services, who knows what God can do. But I know that something special and significant can happen. Amen. So I want you this week be praying, be talking to God. Let the light shine. Let the great I am be in your life. Amen. And uh, get ready. Because the harvest is ripe, the Bible says. But the laborers are few. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church, God. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. Something so special. That, God, you had everyone here today with ears to hear what your spirit has to say. And, God, I just release grace, grace, oh, great grace over them that they'll not be bound up. But, Lord, that we just make ourselves available. I'm going to ask you this question this morning, all eyes closed. And the simple question is this. Will you be available to let your light shine? Just lift your hand up all over this room. Will you be available to let your light shine? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. We're saying yes, Lord. God, we say yes, Lord, to you today. Holy Spirit, have your way in and through our lives and through this church. I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me all of my sins. I invite you into my life. Let your light shine in me and through me. 
in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, I love you all so much. A quick announcement before the offering is received. Faith Sisters, get your Christmas tickets and bring a friend. We have a wonderful Christmas party planned for you girls. We've never done a Faith Sisters Christmas party, so let's pack the house out. Amen. We're going to have praise and worship and some giveaways and fun, and I'm going to minister to you. We're going to have a panel. It's just going to be a great time, so get your tickets. Amen. And then next Sunday, really quick, we're having Thanksgiving lunch together so come hang out and be willing to stay a little after and have some yummy turkey and ham and all the good stuff amen all right let's welcome pastor paul